This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name's Tanya and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of this show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First, we're going to talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help. And then we're going to interview a recovering alcoholic who is an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our lovely guest to read the AA preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of people who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. So what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There is no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like a classic disease model, and the victim is as helpless as a cancer sufferer. If you are an alcoholic, you're at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places, prisons, institutions, or death. If you think that sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognise it and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is that it is an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet, because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of this disease... The alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink. This makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. This program has a proven track record of helping otherwise hopeless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. Okay, for anyone who's just joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. We're just about to interview an AA member who's going to share their experience with alcoholism. So let's meet our guest. Hello, Marie. How are you doing? Um, kia ora. Kia ora. Oh, great. Thank you, Tanya. <laughs> Would you like to give us a quick overview of who you are, sort of age, how long you've been sober, etc.? So I am 52 and I have currently been sober for nearly 11 months. I have um, a long-term partner 
who is the daughter of our two lovely girls. So tell me about your childhood. So my childhood. Um, I come from an alcoholic family. Um, I believe I was born an alcoholic, not that I had any idea. Um, my mum is an alcoholic. Um, her mum, mum's brother, and so I believe this disease is in within our family. Um, I did have a great childhood, to be fair, most of it. Um, we were probably middle-class family. We had money, in a sense. Um, Dad worked extremely hard with his own business, and um, but never happy. I always felt like I didn't fit in. I'm the older um, of the two of us, so there was me and my younger sister, she was always the one that achieved everything, I guess, and I always felt like I was on the outside. Um, Mum and I never got along, but we're too much alike at the end of the day, and I um, always said I would never be like my mum, but unfortunately, as my past says, um, I was. Um Mum left us when we were 15, when I was 15, sorry, and um, Dad kind of spiralled a little bit and um, I was there to pick up the pieces. And so I parented for a long time in the early days, just my younger sister, because she always chose to stay with us. And um, fortunately, Dad met a lovely lady and they're still together. And this has been many years, so... I have a stepmum who um, has been amazing. My mum currently resides in Australia. She's been there for a very long time. She knows about my alcoholism and um, she has been very supporting in the past. So when did you actually start drinking? Can you remember your first drink? Can't quite remember my first drink. There was always alcohol in our house, obviously, but there was always parties on the weekend. Um, we had a group of friends that were always at somebody's house. So it was always available. I mean, I remember making um, Barbie waterbeds out of the wine bladders. <laughs> so <laughs> testament to my age, that's what you did. Um, things like that. There's photos of me drinking when I was younger but I do know, like, I went into pubs when I was 15. And in those days, you could get away with it. And, yeah, I remember going into our local... I grew up in Kaipoi. So, um, yeah, going to some places and that and going into one of the popular places and sitting in the public bar thinking, oh, I hope nobody knows how old I am. <laughs> But um, that just continued, yeah. yeah. And what did alcohol do for you? Maybe fit in. Mm. Um, I hear it a lot in the rooms. It just made, I think I felt like a um, square peg trying to fit into a round hole, so to speak. And I was never comfortable in my own skin. And I just, yeah, it just made me feel prettier funnier, um, popular, and all those things that, yeah, and I could, uh, 
a very good friend of mine, um, who's still one of my very good friends, um, said you could always drink when you were younger. You could always drink and you were a messy drunk. Mm. But at the time, I didn't realise. I mean, my thinking of an alcoholic was a, a gentleman in a park with a coat and a brown paper bag. I had no idea that I was an alcoholic. So what was your drinking like? Did you binge drink or did you drink all the time? Were you an everyday drinker? In the early times, um, I was a binge drinker. It wasn't until I had my girls and our oldest is 20 um, that I guess my drinking started to get a little bit more, that Mm. wine mummy, I guess. And um, my 17-year-old, when she was born, she was a... I think I suffered from postnatal depression. I'm going with that, I guess. And I tried to recognise it, but there's so many other factors going on in, in life in general. And I just, yeah, the the wine at night just started graduating. Mm. And when I would go out with some of the mum friends and that, I was the one who always took two bottles of wine. Nobody else did. But if we'd go to somebody's place, I'd always make sure there was an extra bottle. Did you ever feel it was a problem at that time? I just thought they couldn't drink as much as me. (laughs) So (laughs) not really. Um, But that escalated. Mm. Did Did you try and stop in those early days? I tried to change it up, as Mm. we do. We change our drinks, um, sort of tried to change the days and the times. I used to have, at one stage, I had cask wine because it was cheaper, and but I'd buy two, and if this would be the telling point because once we start hiding it, so I would buy two. When it started to get a bit empty in the fridge, I would swap it out, mm. yeah, so that my partner had no idea how much I was actually drinking. And what made you realise that you needed help with your drinking? I became a morning drinker, an afternoon drinker, an evening drinker, and I was hiding it all the time. I was, there's a story in the big book about the housewife that had their drinking wine wine bottles in the laundry basket. I wasn't quite the laundry basket. I was like a, a, referred to a garden variety drunk. I drank in the garden I drank in my car. I just, I could be standing there at seven o'clock in the morning drinking wine out of the bottle, the cheapest wine that you could purchase, obviously, and thinking, it's okay. I'm not the only person doing this, but it's not okay. Yeah. Have you lost any jobs or um, how has alcohol impacted your working and your family? It's impacted both quite severely Mm. in the past. Um, Regarding family, uh, yeah, I am very fortunate that I still have my family. Um, I've been with my partner for over 20 years, oh, 25 years. And if I was, if the situation was reversed, I wouldn't be here. Mm. I wouldn't be with him. Um, I'm very, very grateful with that. Um, He tried the easy, soft approach. 
tried the hard approach. He tried everything initially for me to stop drinking and um, like changing it to non-alcoholic wine, you know, all those things. And um, yeah, and my children, oh, yeah, my younger one was trying to parent. Mm. She didn't want us to break up, obviously, and so she was trying to keep everything. If she found something, she wouldn't say anything. Mm. Um, my older daughter impacted the most. She, I have spoken to her about this, so she knows I'm talking about it today, um, to the point where she self-harmed. Mm. And did that stop me drinking? No, she hated me. So what about your, your relationship with you? How did it impact you? What was it like coming into that rock bottom? I lost one job or a couple of jobs um, that I got, tried to get out of the fact that I wasn't drinking, obviously, because mm. we do, we lie. Um, my mental state, my physical, my emotional and my spiritual was just, yeah, I hit a couple of rock bottoms and it was just, yeah, it's just, you just think you can't get out of it. You can't dig your way out. So how did you come to your first AA meeting from, from that place? What was it like? My first AA meeting was, um, I don't quite remember it because I had been drinking that day. Mm. Um, I My family told me to ring AA and I spoke to this lovely gentleman and he said, you need to go. Of course, it wasn't my fault. It was my family's fault. That's why I was drinking. Um, he told me I need to go to a meeting and I went, oh, okay. And he goes, there's one. He said, where do you live? And I said where I lived. And um, he goes, there's one starting in 15 minutes. And I went, oh. And then he asked my address and it was literally nearly next door to my house. <laughs> I know. And it's like, I've got no excuse. I walked in there. Um, I didn't listen initially. Mm. I thought that I didn't really need to be here because I was only here to keep my family happy. It wasn't for me because I knew I had a problem, but I didn't want to give up drinking. Was it friendly, though? With the, what was the meeting? How did it feel to you? This meeting's still my home group. Oh. So, yeah, they've seen me at my very lowest and my very highest. Mm. And what were the members like? Lovely. Mm. Lovely. Um, men and women have always, um, I've always felt supported when I've gone to the rooms. Um, even when I had my last drink, I went back the next day and poured out my heart, mm. as you do, and um, oh, I've never felt so welcome back again. And how have you managed to stay sober in your recovery this time around? Meetings. Meetings. I do a Monday night meeting that I always say sets me up for the week. I do a Friday night, my home group, um, that sets me up for the weekend and Sometimes I can try and get a third in, which is just about my sweet spot. And um, service, absolutely. I'm tea and coffee lady at my home group. Also, at any other meetings, I'm always the one that will pack, help pack up and things like that. And having a sponsor. 
I didn't have a sponsor for a long time. Well, not a long time, but I did ask a couple of people. It was me trying to find the right fit, but it wasn't, you know, doesn't kind of work like that. But um, I have a beautiful sponsor that has long sobriety and um, learning to talk, Mm -hmm. not saying that you're just fine. (laughs) And how would you describe yourself and your life, the life that you have today? I have a great life. Um, some days can be hard, mm. but it, another good friend in AA will tell me, it will pass, Marie, it will pass. I don't need to drink over things today. I drank when I was happy, sad, glad. Um, I don't need to today. Mm. I have, um, still have my lovely partner, I have my beautiful girls and that older girl that absolutely hated me will ring me when she finishes work. She still lives with us and say that she loves me. Mm. So sobriety has brought great things. That's fantastic. And is there anything outside, I guess, your family and that you that you see as a real bonus to being sober? You can just, yeah, just your whole well-being... These days I feel like um, I can fit in a lot better. I um, Just knowing like-minded people, I only have a small group of friends. I have quality over quantity these days and it's a bit like life. I have a quality life and, um, Mm. yeah, I'm okay with being Marie these days and that's got to be good. So AA is described as a spiritual program, not a religious one. What does spirituality mean to you? It's the whole package. Yeah. I think it's just the whole package. Um, Yeah. Doing all the things that are suggested and just like the service and helping another alcoholic and sometimes... I've learnt, I've grown up a lot in AA Mm. and um, one person has referred to me as a cat with nine lives and, but I don't think, I don't believe I have another relapse in me and um, I will do everything to stay sober. I meditate and just all those things and just being with like-minded people and this disease will take us out mm. and um, and I've seen it and I know it and yeah, so I choose to be sober and um, I often say that my sobriety is nev- never going to be owned. It will always be rented and that rent's due every day. And what would you suggest for listeners who may be listening to this podcast or radio show that may have a drinking problem? Seek help. Ask questions. If you think it's not right and it's not sitting right with you, if you're hiding things, the secrecy, our secrets keep us sick and I choose to live a life of honesty and, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, and it's a great life. It's a very hard life being an alcoholic. It's very exhausting. Um, but sobriety isn't. 
if you do the next right thing. Thank you, Marie. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story with us. Thank you. For our listeners, if you've related to anything that you've heard or would like some more information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up on the web at www.aa.org.nz or call us on 0800 AA Works. There are over 60 meetings in Canterbury, so there's likely to be one right near you. (laughs) Join us next week to hear more from AA members sharing their experiences. Our show is every Monday at 5.30pm on Plains FM and repeats on Wednesday at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our past shows on the Plains FM website at plainsfm.org.nz or you can download and subscribe and listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of our show. Thank you for listening and remember, if you want to drink, that's your business, but if you want to stop, we can help. You don't have to do it alone. We will now close with the serenity prayers we do in every AA meeting. God, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9.